Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Today's guest is a senator, the founder of the Rise Foundation, but best known as a singer and a member of one of Ireland's foremost musical families. It's a pleasure to welcome Frances Black. Well, Frances, I have to say your life seems to have changed a lot in the last few years, becoming a senator and congrats. I know you were just re-elected and the Rise Foundation. Your life has has taken different directions away from music. Yes, Des. I mean, honestly, I I, I sometimes I'm amazed at the, the, the turns that my life takes. Yeah, back in the early 2000s, it was, it was actually after my mother passed away, um, I decided to go back to college to study to be an addiction therapist. And, you know, as part of that, I ended up training in the Rutland Treatment Centre. And uh, they kept me on then as a locum counsellor. And while I was there, while I, I really loved working with those who were trying to get into recovery from addiction. Um, and I really, I like, it was such inspirational work, to be honest with you. But it was there that I met family members who had somebody they loved with an alcohol, drug or gambling problem and I would work with them um, to try and support them but also to try and help them, you know, to get through this. I suppose I realised while working with those families that they needed as much support as their their loved one in addiction. And um, I felt that was absolutely vital because often family members have huge anxiety, stress, worry, um, and and can often be very depressed, you know. Um, So I decided to leave the Rutland and set up an organisation called the Rise Foundation, which solely looks after uh, families separate from the person in addiction. So we run programs and we have a one-to-one um, a service and we have a, a, a program, a, a 10-week family program. And that has that is going from strength to strength, as you can imagine. But um, because I suppose I was doing that work within the NGO um, environment, which is non-government organisations, I got a little bit frustrated, I suppose, at the lack of support from, from the government. And I somebody suggested to me in, in, a, in a moment of madness, I suppose, that I run in the Shannon election back in 2016. And uh, I suppose to do that, Des, you know, I said to myself, I'll do it. I'll just try and understand how the election worked. I probably won't get elected and I'll run in the next campaign. But to my utter shock and surprise and dismay, I ended up getting elected back in 2016 and I ended up being a senator in Shannadair and in the 25th Oireachtas. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's been an incredible journey and I just got re-elected there a couple of weeks ago. So it's been an incredible journey for me. Um, I'm now working in the Shannad, but I'm also involved very much so with the Rise Foundation. Um, and I'm doing things that I love. I mean, I'm working around social justice issues, uh, which are some uh, issues that are, I'm very passionate about. But I'm also working with Rise and I'm also singing. So I feel like I'm one of those really lucky people who's able to work in areas that doesn't really feel like work because I'm working on things that I'm extremely passionate mm. about. The Rise Foundation. Tell people, without going into specifics, what kind of pain and grief families go through? Well, the reality is, Des, if 
you have a family member, if you have a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, an adult child, a partner that's in addiction, that is kind of lost in that place where their whole life is taken over by alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever it might be. You're you're watching that person, you know, you're watching your loved one going down a route of complete and utter self-destruction. It's almost like they're slowly killing themselves. And as a family member watching that, you know, um, particularly if you're a parent watching your child going down that route of self-destruct, but any family member, it, does, it doesn't have to be a parent, you know, can be, as I say, um, any, any family member. Watching them going down that self-destruct route can be soul-destroying because often you feel that you have to try and save them, right? That's your your instinct is I need to try and save this person from this self-destruct, you know, um, thing that they're road that they're going down. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work like that when it comes to addiction, unfortunately. Um, and the despair and the anxiety and the stress and the worry and often family members can't eat, can't sleep. They wake up in the morning thinking about their loved one. They go to bed at night thinking about their loved one. Their whole life is completely and utterly um, taken over by the anxiety and worry. So that's why I set up Rise because I wanted, you know, and, and I, I was involved in writing up the, I actually wrote up all the programs, the 10-week family programs. Um, it's a lecture where people come in, say they come in once a week. It's a three-hour program um, for 10 weeks. They come in, they receive the lecture and then they have group therapy and, you know, we, we, we work through all of those anxieties and stresses and, um, and it does help. It doesn't by any means save the person in addiction but it certainly gives the family members the tools to be able to cope with it. And I presume um, there's, and there's a lot of tears and pain in all of that Francis. Oh it's heartbreaking this it's absolutely heartbreaking you know it's awful to see somebody going down a route of self-destruct like that it's like you're watching somebody drown and you can't save them that's mm. what it's like you know um, and, and, and it's every day so mm. it's impacting you on a daily basis you know every hour you know, you're waiting for the text, you're waiting for the phone call, you're waiting for the dreaded phone call. Is this the phone call where, you know, they may have killed themselves in a car accident or something might have happened to them or they may have killed somebody else? You know, there's that dread all of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely soul destroying and heartbreaking. And that's why, as I say, Rise is only for family members um, to give them the tools to be able to cope with that anxiety, stress, worry, depression, you know, I mean, there's evidence, you know, out there that says family members have very high stress related, family members who have a loved one in addiction have very high stress related illnesses, physical illnesses, you know, I mean, they can often get serious migraines, they can get irritable bowel, and even some family members can get stress related cancer, you know, so like, it's, it's just huge turmoil emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally uh, for the family members. And that's why we set it up solely for the, for the family member and but not for, you, for the person. In but for you though, you say it's a joy to be, it sounds to me like it would be hugely stressful because you have to fund it as well. Yeah, fundraising for us has been a big problem. And as you can imagine now, we're in a situation where a lot of our fundraising efforts have been stopped now, have been cancelled, like our Golf Classic and the Camino. These are things that, you know, raises money to keep our organisation going on a, on a yearly basis. And unfortunately, they're all, all stopped now. And uh, yeah, we're going to be, we're a little bit worried, but we try and take it a day at a time. Um, and we are trying to look at other ways of fundraising now. 
over the next year, certainly in the next six months. So, yeah, it's a big challenge and it takes up an awful lot of time. And we're a very small organisation. And my main focus is making sure that the therapists get paid and uh, and obviously that we have the funds to pay for the great work that they're doing. Rise features in your first musical choice. It does. <laughs> well, you see, the RISE Foundation, the, the name RISE stands for Recovery in a Safe Environment. That's what it stands for. And that's what I wanted to do when I set up RISE. I wanted family members to feel very safe when they come into us and know that they're in safe hands. But where the name came from was um, there's a, a very well-known singer from England called Gabrielle um, and she sings a song called Rise and I think the song in itself talks about rising above you know heartache and heartbreak and you know just trying to get through it all um, and I just thought the Rise Foundation because it's about rising up from from those dark times and the the, the dark impact of, of, of having somebody you love that has an addiction problem and watching them going down that self-destruct route and trying to rise and, and become a little bit stronger um, and understanding how to cope with it. So that's where Rise comes from. So yeah, that my first choice is, is the Gabrielle song Rise and I love the words of it. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. So Francis, we're going to change and go back a bit now with your musical choices and the first song you ever learned. <laughs> yeah, Des. I look, I got an album when I was about 15 as a, as a birthday present and it was James Taylor and it was called Mudslide Slim. And the minute before I even put on the album, I looked at the picture of James Taylor on the front of the album and I fell completely and utterly madly in love with him. And then when I listened to his music, I thought, oh my God, who is this person? And um, and I have been in love with him ever since. So you're talking a long time now, yeah. Des. So um, yeah, I love James Taylor and that was my first um, album that I ever received was called Mudslide Slim. I got it as a birthday present um, from um, a friend of my brother's called Peter Hanratty, who Lord Reston has passed away now. Uh, but Peter gave me that album, and I, I, I still, it's probably still one of my all time favorite albums to this day. Uh, it changed my life um, because it was the first time I learned a song called Long Ago and Far Away off that album. And it was the first time that I ever sang in public. When I mean in public, I mean sitting at a sing-song, you know, a session sing-song in our house. And I sang long ago and far away. And uh, I had to kind of hide behind a chair while I was singing it because I, you wouldn't believe this, Des, but I was very shy at one time in my life. So, but I did sing it and I still sing it to this day. I even, you know, have, I recorded it on my last album, actually. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favourite all-time James Taylor songs. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. I, th- I would have thought you'd have been singing from your childhood, given the family, the strength of the family tradition of music. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, we were always singing together, um, you know, and having sing songs. But I was crippled with shyness, Des. I really, really was. Um, and while I would sing along with my family, I don't ever remember, apart from that time singing behind the couch, you know, singing long ago and far away. Um, and when I was a teenager, 
that was my first time. Remember, now maybe I sang before that, but I have no recollection of singing before that. Uh, it was my first time singing for me, singing in public, and it was very nerve wracking. Um, but yeah, we would have had loads of sing songs. I mean, every Sunday night, my father, you know, would come down after being up. But for sun- Sunday night, the bars closed around 10 o'clock. And of course, he'd bring in all the neighbours and he'd love a sing song. He would absolutely. And my mother loved a sing song too. Uh, she was just. She had mountains of songs, you know, and she just absolutely, that was the one thing that brought unbelievable joy to my mother was when she sang. You know, we were born and reared in tenements days. Times were hard, you know, and um, times are hard for everybody. Do you know, mm. uh, born and reared in our city, Dublin, in the tenements, hadn't got much. But by God, did we look forward to those sing songs every Sunday night with all the neighbours coming in. And, you know, my father would tell stories and he would go around to the house. Everybody had to do something. It was a tradition he brought back from, he brought down from Rattlin Island where he came from. He was born and reared. And I suppose the tradition up there was they used to, you know, when they were young, they would tra- they'd no electricity until the 80s. They used to travel around each other's houses and play cards and sing songs and tell stories. And, and he brought that tradition to Dublin when he came to Dublin and, and and married my mother and had all of us kids. So, you know, and we continue to do that, believe it or believe it not. You know, we still have sing songs ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. and we try and get everybody to sing a song. And my both my brothers, or my three brothers, actually, Michael Shea and Martin would be great at, at kind of, they would have taken on, myself and Mary would be just kind of, we'd be happy enough to just sing a couple of songs, but uh, the three boys would be great at getting people going for sure. You know, brilliant at it. And and were you a child now when those sing songs were happening? Oh yeah, sure. I remember them from a very young age. Very young age. Now I wouldn't, you know, because I was the youngest of the family, mm. so there wouldn't have been much expectation from me. I I would I could get away with not singing, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I would I wouldn't have been. I never. I suppose I never really considered myself a singer to, singer, to be honest with you, Tess, you know, back then, you know, because there was so much talent in our family, you know, there really was like, like, you know what I mean? My brothers, there was Shay, he was the eldest and he bought a guitar when he was 12. He saved up for months, for years probably to get this guitar. He was the real, I suppose, instigator in our family for encouraging the rest of us to get really into music, the music industry in a way. Yeah. Um, and uh, then Michael picked up the banjo and, you know, so they would be playing tunes with my father. He played a bit of mandolin and stuff, you know. And then um, obviously Mary was a singer. Mary was a singer from the time she was like two. I mean, Mary had always been, you know, a, a phenomenal voice, you know, really strong, powerful voice. Um, so that was just inevitable that we all knew that that was the way Mary was going to go. You know, unconsciously, I don't think we knew consciously, but certainly she just, when she sang, the whole room lit up, you know. Um, And then my brother Martin picked up the fiddle. So I don't know, I was kind of, (laughs) I was kind of the run to the litter, really, you know. (laughs) And and it was almost like, well, you know, nobody expected anything from me, if you know what I mean. There was no expectations of me. So, um, you know, I suppose it was only later on in life and I just fell into the industry, nothing... I never chose any of it, Des, if you know that. I was so lucky. I was just, I feel sometimes how blessed was I, you know, because I sang with my family. Obviously, we did a small folk club tour when I was about 17 around around Ireland. We did that for the crack with Mary and my three brothers. And then 
um, later on then we made an album together and then I was spotted singing with my family um, when I was in my 20s by Do- Johnny McDonough from a band called Arcady. He asked me to join them. I did that. We made an album. It was really successful. Then myself and Kieran, you know, started working together. Kieran Goss, we mm. made an album. Next thing I knew, I was doing a solo album. I mean, n- none of it was ever planned by any means. So I still don't know how it all happened. I'm, I just feel, I'm living, you know, look, I've lived a life and I'm still living a life beyond my wildest dreams, Des. You know, I still have to pinch myself sometimes. I can't believe it. When did you lose the shyness? When did I lose? That's a really good question, Des, you know, because, you know, sometimes I can be a bit shy, believe it or believe it not. But I suppose I started, I probably started to gain confidence or maybe belief in myself only in the last 15 years, maybe 20 years, you know, I've always kind of struggled with, you know, low self-esteem issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not saying that now for sympathy by any means. It's just, it was a reality, you know, and it's probably in the last 20 years that I started to really kind of gain, you know, and certainly in the early 2000s, when I went back to college, it actually really lifted my um my confidence levels, you know, and my self-esteem levels. I think the fact that I went through it and I got through it and started to think, God, maybe, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay. And, you know, or, and you just start to kind of say, you know, think, you say, look, I, I'm going to try it. Facing my fears was the biggest challenge for me and not being afraid of failure. They were the two things that I really worked hard on. And I think not being afraid of failure and just saying, I'm going to do it and whatever happens, happens. That was freedom, to be honest sure. with you. I know, I remember seeing you on stage though, which would have been before that. So you were you were going on stage without full self Yeah, when you see comfort. stage, it's kind of, you know, I would, have, I, I would have went on stage a lot of the time petrified, petrified. Um, and, and I can still get that. Des, I can still, honestly, I know you might think that's really strange. There are times, like if at the moment I'm working with two amazing women, Sharon Shannon and Mary Coughlin, and the three of us go out on the road together. And we absolutely, I just love those women so much. They're really my best friends at this point now, you know, um, and we're, we're really supportive of each other. And that's brilliant. And I don't have any problem with that. But if I'm doing a solo gig, my nerves to be gone. I've actually, I've done, I, I'd say in the last five years, I could count on one hand the amount of solo gigs I've done, you know, because I just, the anxiety levels go way off the Richter scale, you know, um, and yeah, so I still get it, you know, yeah. but I, st- I always push myself out of my comfort zone. That's the one thing I will do. I'll always challenge myself and it can be tough at times, but I do it. I and, do it. And which of your songs, Francis, gets, is the most popular with the public? Oh, Des, it has to be all the lies that you told me. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, Christy Hennessy, you know, and uh, there's no doubt about that. All the lies that you told me changed my life in this country, um, and I'm so grateful to Christy Hennessy. You know, he sent me the song um, when I was making my first solo album, and you know what, I, ne- I nearly didn't record it, and I'm sure people are sick of me telling this story, but it was only at the very last minute when a friend of mine rang me up She's still my, one of my best friends and she rang me up and she just split up with her fiancé and I, I just recorded it as my gift to her to get her through that really tough time. This is back in the early 90s yeah. um, and it was my gift to her. I thought this will help her get through this and I little did I think it was going to be such a hit. It was absolutely huge and it changed my life. The album went to number one, I think, for 10 weeks or something like that. So, yeah, and still to this day when I get up and sing that on stage... 
people go crazy for it. Yeah, what a man. It must be a nostalgia thing or something. Uh, poss- possibly is, but what, what a man Chrissy Hennessy was too. Oh, look at what a gentleman Des, wasn't he? Just mm. the most beautiful person. Yeah. I've, I don't know, there was no one like him. And what a wonderful songwriter and a brilliant performer and so funny and so humble. I just loved him. Mm. I loved him and I still miss him. You mentioned your mother and father there. Now, your next musical choice brings us back to memories of Rattlin Island. Tell us about Rattlin Island, because a lot of us won't know a lot about it. Well, yeah, my father came from Rattlin Island. And for those who don't know where Rattlin is, it's um, a very small island off North Antrim. Um, and for us, as I said to you earlier, came from the tenements, um, you know, lived in a place called Charman Street. Wonderful community spirit. We, we very little, you know, we never went hungry, but I knew there were children on our street who did go hungry. You know, mm. we were, um, every summer, my parents, I don't know, did my aunt and uncle from Rattlin send us down the fair to get up there because it would be myself, me, me, you know, me mommy, dad, and all of us, we'd all five kids, we'd all head up, we'd get the train up to Belfast and then a whole clatter buses from Belfast to Ballycastle and then get a, a boat from Ballycastle over to Rattlin Island and it was pure heaven. It was pure heaven going up. We, we we thought it was a fantasy island when we were kids. You know, I mean, can you imagine, you know, coming from inner city Dublin and going up there and sure. being on the farm and running into the fields and the cows and the sheep and on my aunt and uncle's land, they had a lovely, um, they had, you know, cliffs that you could climb down, you know, onto a little pebble beach um, with caves. I mean, honestly, it was unbelievable. So like, we have wonderful memories, so much happy times on Rattlin Island. And I still, to this day, get this. We should have been up there for Easter this year. Uh, we go up every single Easter and for our summer holidays. This, the old farmhouse is still there, thank God. And my cousins are still there. So um, I, we still go up there, myself and my own, my, my son and his wife and their two children and my daughter, Eva and her boyfriend. And we all go up there. Um, for, for Easter and we probably will be going up over the summer as well. It's yeah. just a wonderful place. So this song that we're playing for you is actually a song by one of my favourite trad bands, which is Alton, because trad is my, I suppose, trad music is my first love. Actually, it's my passion. Um, and it's the one type of music, Irish traditional music, is, is just something that I love. I always listen to it. And this is by uh, Alton. And uh, the actual song is about a wedding that happened on Rathlin many, many years ago. Um, And my son and his wife, Emma, got married there in 2012 and we had the best, best crack and sing songs and sessions and dancing. It was just wonderful memories. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Your son's wedding on Rathlin Island, so... um... Is there a hotel or a home no, or where would you have it? We we actually got a marquee. There's um there's a um a lovely guest house just there by the by the, on the water and um it's called the manor house and it used to be where the landlord lives. The landlord of the islanders, if you know what I mean, the land, used to live, the gauges and um Obviously, they, they, the islanders eventually, when they, they left the house, they bought it off them and they did it all up. And um, it's now uh, in a, a small guest house. It's just, it was just amazing. They had a, this, uh, this is back in 2012. They had a, a wonderful chef there called Willie Campbell at the time. Willie's gone off now somewhere else, but New Jersey, I think he is now, or Jersey Island. The, the food was amazing. We had a marquee just out on the lawn. And 
it was just an incredible island wedding. It was just the music we had the next day, you know, um, after the wedding. We had to, we had a, the wedding that day, say it was Saturday, and we had great crack and great music and all. But then the following day we had a Kaylee and people arrived, all the islanders arrived down maybe five in the evening and we had a big feast um, on the, on this lawn and, and we had a Kaylee and... Ah, oh, that went on to, I don't know, four and them would sing yeah. songs. It was just a little groups of sing songs all over the place, you know, and the weather was gorgeous the following day. It was a bit rainy the first day, but it was one of the most memorable times for me on Rathlin. But I've loads of wonderful memories of Rathlin. I mean, the Islanders are incredible people and they, they welcome us as if we we're Islanders, which yeah. is lovely, yeah. you know. Lovely image. Let's Let's finish with a choice from Black Family Album. Yeah. And it's 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 your mother whom you've spoken of so fondly. Yeah, I suppose that you know, and I hope people don't think this has been a little bit self indulgent by by you know playing an album from um no, from our own family. But I, this album is a very special album for me because it was the last album. I mean, we made it back probably two thousand and two. Um, my mother passed away in two thousand and three, but it was really we wanted to to do an album to celebrate her life if you know what I mean and it was like we all came together to make this music to celebrate her because at the time we knew like she was in her 80s and she was getting weaker and weaker and um, and the al- the actual song that you're going to hear now is a song that was one of her party pieces all for many many years called Bird in a Gilded Cage a beautiful song you know about a woman who marries this very wealthy man but she's really like stuck up in a castle on the hill and she's very miserable but the song is a very it's a no musical song but the song for me is when I hear it obviously I think of this amazing woman who was happened to be my mother our mother um, who was a strong tough independent uh, inner city woman who came through unbelievably tough times who looked after us all. She gave us so much love. Um, she always made sure we were all okay. She passed on the gift of music to us, the gift of song to us. Um, and she was my inspiration. And I miss her. We all miss her. I know myself and Mary, we, you know, we were really close to her. The boys miss her too, but myself, Mary and my mom, we were we were great pals and we all hung out together and um, we miss her so much. And March is always, is, was her birthday and obviously it's Mother's Day. So this time of year, you know, springtime is a time that she's very, very much in my mind. So I just thought it would be lovely to hear her sing Bird in a Gilded Cage, Des. All right. Well, it's a lovely way to finish. And thank you very much for your memories, Francis. We'll play out thank then you, Des. with you. Always man. lovely to talk to you, Des. You're a gem. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.